ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon and Merry Christmas. We are getting really, really close. It's hard to get in the Christmas spirit here in Tampa, Florida, where it is uh, shorts weather. Uh, But today is Friday, December 19th, 2014, and we have a really special show for you today to get you into the season. If you have been uh, busy shopping and getting the kids uh, through exams and all those things that keep us busy this time of year, you will really, really enjoy our discussion today with author Liz Curtis Higgs. Liz, welcome. Well, it's wonderful to be with you. I giggled on the stumble on the name. It's entirely too many aspirants. What was I thinking? <laughs> Liz, Curtis, Higgs. It's like, wow. You know, what can I do? Of course, the Liz was a given, you know, and the Higgs I'm blessed to have. So it's it's all good. <laughs> but, right. but it's terrible for radio. Um, in fact, even after I married, my radio station said, your jingle is just going to still be Liz Curtis because that's just enough S's. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, and I didn't have a lot of time to practice, and, and a lot of times we have guests uh, that have very, very difficult names. So oh, yours I can was only actually, imagine. Yours yeah. was the easy one today, so I'll just call you Liz, and that will make it super easy. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I, I am excited about the particular topic that we have today, and uh, actually I've been carrying both uh, books that you sent around with me, and I went to a women's retreat. Uh, actually, it was a teen girls' retreat. Uh, about a month ago, and, and I was working with a bunch of teen girls, uh, and, and in my role, I was uh, actually in charge of uh, the audiovisual um, in the chapel uh, scenario at this particular conference, and I was working with all these young teen girls who were looking at me, you know, like this old lady, and I and I pulled Ellen, they were talking about... Um, you know, kind of the the girls at school who were mean to them. And I pulled out your other book, Bad Girls of the Bible, and just thought, you know, and and so I kind of got some respect from them that, uh, you know, that I could be cool and talk about uh, the women of the Bible. So the book we're going to talk about today is The Women of Christmas. And, you know, we are all so very familiar with the Christmas story. Uh, You know, most of us have, have heard it from the time we were small. Um, but Liz, before we dive into the book, I really want to hear your story because you you have a fascinating background. Checkered might be the other word for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, uh, I I I grew up through the seventies, where well, you know, little in the sixties, and then through the seventies when um, doors were flying open for women in a lot of new areas. You were supposed to be, if you were born in the fifties, a secretary. Um, a teacher or a nurse. Those were the. That was it. And suddenly in the seventies, wow, baby, we could do everything. We could run a corporation. We could be a doctor. We could do anything. Uh, and so in that exciting time, I dove into radio, rock radio, as it happens, and uh, and went town to town, up and down the dial, as you do, uh, and ended up in Detroit. All of that would be great. I was grateful to be successful in radio. I was, however, a disaster in my personal life. Hmm. And so as the 70s were, it was all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll for me. And um, it's interesting how you're seeking for a party. A party is what you want. A good time is what you want. But in the process, 
you tear yourself, who you really are, apart at the seams. And so um, I found that that success mode, while successful, money in the bank and a title after my name and people knew me, but at the heart, I was just empty. I had no real relationships. I had short-term, as in one-night relationships. Um, Even my friendships with women were shallow um, because we were all sort of competing for this pool of men. And it wasn't a good decade, really. The 70s were a very hard decade. The song we sang, Staying Alive, Staying Alive, is just about all I was doing. Right. Well, God is good, and he came into my life at my lowest point. At that point, I realized he'd actually been there all along. I did not find God. God came and rescued me and and saved me from that emptiness and that um, self-destruction, really. Um, and uh, what a change that was, 1982. So we're talking now, 32 years ago. Um, and so it's been an interesting journey. Um, from that joy, that discovery of something that mattered, something bigger than me, something eternal, something loving, something grace-giving, forgiving, um, all of that became a whole new journey for me. Now, I stayed in radio. I was still successful in radio, but I was a whole different woman on the air talking about different things uh, and living a very different life. Um, And then because of my story, I was invited to go out and speak initially to youth groups, just like the group you were working with at that event. Um, And speaking led into writing um, because once you've told your story, you want to tell more than that, but you can't add to your story. (laughs) So what you do do, I mean, that's just not appropriate. Um, So in my case, I just started to study the women in the Bible. I thought, well, there's got to be some chicks here with interesting stories. Oh, my goodness, there's just not the bad girls, and boy, there are plenty of those. I've written about 24 of them so far. Um, But there also also are some good girls who can be role models for us, who can be leaders. I mean, if you're looking for a model of a woman leader in the Bible, Deborah's story in the Old Testament is remarkable. And in the New Testament, Mary Magdalene has an amazing story. We always, I mean, not always, but often have thought of her as a prostitute, you know, kind of not a role model. But that's not what the Bible says about her. Okay, she was demon-possessed, and that was an issue. Uh, But it was an issue that Jesus (laughs) dealt with. You know, it was a slight (laughs) problem. Um, Seven demons, a very specific number, the number of completion. She was full up. Uh, But Jesus delivered her with a word, and after that, she followed him everywhere from the uh, streets in which he ministered to the cross, to the grave, and then she's the one who sees his resurrection and is sent to the male disciples personally, I love this, to tell them, I have seen the Lord. So God uses women in a big, big way, and as leaders, as servants, in every every area that you can think of in the Bible, these women are used of God in a very powerful way. Right, Uh, and and one of the ones that I love Mm -hmm. the most is the slightly bad girls of the Bible, the flawed (laughs) women loved by a flawless God, which is such a powerful story, because you're right. I mean, women are used, and you can tell. I mean, those of us in the Executive Girlfriends group, who is is the primary audience for this show, you know, we all know that given our set of skills and our ability to do more than one thing at one time and our ability to connect the dots is what allows us in many cases to excel beyond our male counterparts, maybe not in salary or 
necessarily title, but uh, actually to accomplish way more. And you right. know, that, and that the end, isn't, isn't a slam really on men. It's it's just yeah. who we are. Yeah, it's who we are. And I think it's the work accomplished at the end that gives us the greatest satisfaction. Um, I've just been blogging today about a very familiar verse, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. And honestly, most of us spend our lives chasing after the charm and the beauty, you know, to be the kind of person that draws people around you and to be attractive enough to get people's attention. But that stuff fades. Charm is deceitful. It's it's um, false. You know, it's deceiving. Right, um, right. And beauty... Whoosh, Vain means it's gone in a, an instant. It's a it's a vapor. It's gone. Um, but it's the stuff that really matters. The woman who fears, serves, honors, respects, worships the Lord. She's the one who gets the applause in the end. And uh, it's his applause I'm working for, not really that of man or woman, Absolutely. you know, just of people. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, so tell us about this particular book. And you've, you've written that. Uh, about a lot of women in the Bible, what brought you to this? Was it at Christmas time that that it, you were inspired to do it, and that you know yeah. now you're coming out with this book? Or, or tell sure. us about the timing. Well, I uh, when I started my blog in 2012, um, I began blogging about a book that I had written called uh, "The Girls Still Got It." Uh, take a walk with Ruth and the God who rocked her world. And so we meet Ruth and Naomi, amazing women. What stories. And so I, bl- I blogged about that. But, you know, we finished the, the uh, 12 chapters and we were done with that book. And so what's next? Well, it was November. It seemed wise to look at the women, <laughs> you know, hey, the women involved uh, in the story of Advent and Christmas. What I could not imagine, as I started blogging about it, I realized, oh, baby, this is not a five-week blog. This is a book. And when I finished that five-week blog, I called my publisher, and they said, we agree, it's a book. And so so I wrote it beginning in that this beautiful season of the year. But the story is timeless, and it certainly transcends the month of December. Um, what I was amazed by is how God very specifically used – Three, and used, by the way, is a positive word. It sounds almost like, well, I don't want to be used by anybody. Oh, right. true. But to be used by God as an instrument of his love, okay, this is a good thing. So three women were used by him in truly miraculous ways. And there are men in the story too, but it's so interesting how in each situation, the man's role is smaller than the woman's role in the story. First, we meet Elizabeth. Okay, she's a middle-aged woman. We're not told her exact age. Her husband graciously calls her well along in years, which I just <laughs> You take that one and run with it. I'm just well along in years. It's perfect. Uh, and uh, Zechariah is a priest, so he is a man of, of some uh, substance. But the funny thing is that he goes into the holy place to be in front of the altar of incense, and an angel shows up and says, hey, that prayer you've been praying to have a son all these years, it's going to happen. Unfortunately, Zechariah's response is, I doubt that. And that's the LRV, by the way, the Lizzie Revised Version. He says, how, how can you prove to me that this is going to happen? And his doubt made a- Angel Gabriel say to him, well, okay, you are not going to have a voice now for the whole of her pregnancy. You won't get your voice back. You'll live in silence until she gives birth. So what we have is a very interesting scenario here. He walks out of the 
holy place and everybody's expecting him to speak a blessing and nothing comes out of his mouth. So they know he has seen something miraculous, right? So indeed, Elizabeth is pregnant shortly thereafter. Um, And imagine this, a kindness of God that a woman is pregnant and her husband can't talk for the whole pregnancy. I just... It's just a giggle to me. It's like, maybe this is why she says, the Lord has done this for me. (laughs) The thought of her doing this miraculous thing of bringing a child that we know is going to be John the Baptist who will prepare the way for Jesus. But the fact is, Zechariah is silent, and it wasn't a punishment from God. It was the proof Zechariah asked for. He didn't believe it, couldn't believe it would happen. So the angel said, I I can show you that miracles happen. I'm taking your voice away. So it wasn't punishment, it was proof. It was a kindness. Uh, But it was a kindness in some ways to Elizabeth as well, because she had a quiet pregnancy to focus on the Lord, to focus on what he has done in her life. She even hides in the house for the first five months. Isn't that fascinating? And I thought about that. What's, what's this about five months? Well, you've had a child. I've had children. The fact is, it's the fifth month where you have the quickening, the movement of the baby right. that proves to you, it's not my imagination. I'm not just gaining weight. I just don't feel sick. This is, in fact, a new life. And at that five-month point is when she could step out to the world and say, this was not my imagination. This is a fact. I'm pregnant. And nobody could doubt it. There it is, baby bump. It's happening. Right. And so um, what an amazing woman she is. Her faithfulness to her husband and to her God allowed her to be a big part of the Advent season of what is to come, of the baby Jesus. Then, of course, there's Mary, most famous woman who ever walked the earth. And uh, and she she's so young and so innocent And Joseph is an amazing man. He really is. He stands by her. But the truth is, this is not his baby. He's not involved in this except to help raise the child. Um, So Mary is the star of that bit. And then we get Anna. Anna, who's 84 years old. The Bible doesn't very often tell us someone's age. Hers is so specific. She was only married seven years, has been a widow ever since. And that might make us say, oh, what a shame. Except that she's a prophetess. She spends day and night in the temple. She fasts and prays. I'm so on, Chicky, with the praying, but the fasting, I, as I understand it, that means no food. Right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, what a woman. And uh, when she is presented, when she sees the baby Jesus in the temple 40 days after his birth, she is the one who tells everybody our Savior has come. So here are these women. They seem ordinary. They are, in fact, ordinary. What makes them extraordinary is the God who said, you, you, and you, I have something really special for you to do. Well, and, and, you know, it's been interesting because, I you know, I grew up, my father was a minister, so, you know, I was in church every Sunday and certainly plenty, plenty over the holidays. And, you know, uh, my my story mirrors your, yours, although, uh, you know, just a, perhaps a few years ahead in, in coming to my come-to-Jesus moment, which happened, uh, you know, in, in the early 70s uh, as opposed to the 80s. But, uh, you know, so I, I've been really close to the Christmas story. But this year, for the first time, we watched uh, the Nativity, which is uh, just a beautiful uh, portrayal. Oh, my favorite. Yep. And... 
it was so interesting because as they came into Bethlehem on, on the donkey, which, you know, by the way, you know, being nine months pregnant and riding on a donkey would not be <laughs> high on my list of things to do. No, only um, slightly better than walking. Only slightly. Right. And I don't know what it was, Liz, but this year it all of a sudden occurred to me that it was certainly no surprise to God that there was going to be no one opening their doors and saying, come in and sleep on this soft bed or even on a straw mat, you know, which probably would have been preferable to where she ended up. But, you know, certainly in that movie and in most portrayals of of the story, you you never see her like getting upset or or agitated, which most of us would, you know, if we were going oh. into labor, right? No question. And, and anyway, um, it it occurred to me for the first time ever that that's the way it was supposed to turn out, and and it gave me a whole new perspective on the doors that close in my life. Right. Right? And, ah, it just blew me away. So I saw Mary, and and you're right, to a lesser degree, Joseph, um, in a whole new light, because she was the one who was in the early stages, or maybe the later stages, you know, we don't really know of labor. We're not sure. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, don't know how long it lasted. For me, it was 18 hours, so, you know, it could have been at any stage. 26 for me, yeah. We went into a second day, I get that. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. So, you know, anyway, it, it has been interesting to me that I had that personal revelation, and that actually happened um, after Patty had already scheduled you as our guest. Oh, I love it. And well, mm-hmm. I thought I thought today, you know, as I was running late, uh, unfortunately, I, I was caught in traffic to get, uh, to get here to do the show. Um, you know, I thought, how cool is it that you know, I never, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about Mary. I mean, you know, I, I, I know my Catholic friends might might have dwelled more on her over the years because of the focus in the Catholic Church on Mary. But as a, a, a girl who was raised as a Presbyterian, you know, Mary, Mary just wasn't big on our, our list, right? right. Um, you know, and you only thought about her at Christmas time. So, um, you know, she has a whole new place in, in my life um, of really painting that picture that um, at least the portrayals we've seen of her and, and what was written was that, you know, she just uh, kind of went with the flow and, and just exactly. for, she went for, with the flow. for the solution, right, which is kind of the hallmark of, of my life is, is, you know, problems are just something that are an opportunity to solve, right? They're not the, right. uh, you know, kind of the death of things. And, no, they and don't bring us to a stop. Right, right, right absolutely. And so, Anyway, I just wanted to sh- share that with you because it, it was uh, it was kind of my revelation uh, of the season uh, about her. So tell, yeah. tell me, um, you know, the other things about the character of these women um, that you bring out in the book. Well, the, I think the big word that stands out for all three of them is faithfulness and trust. Um, in a God that um, was asking them to do really difficult things, really difficult. You're middle-aged, you're menopausal, and now I want you to have a baby. Um, challenging, and, and as it is for any woman today. But, you know, we're talking about a woman who's, you know, past, past, post, post-menopausal. You know, she's <laughs> her eggs right. are cooked. And so, so what God, you know, does in her life is miraculous. And um, people have said to me, well, what if Mary had said no? 
Um, and it's like, well, that never would have happened. God chose Mary because he knew she would say yes. Right. Furthermore, God did not have plan A, plan B, plan C. Mary was the plan. Right. Mary was always the plan. And so um, God knew her heart. And it's interesting, um, They, uh, Mary does ask a question. But unlike Zechariah, who said, in essence, I doubt it, Mary just asked how. And that that is not a woman lacking faith to ask how. If God tells us in his word he's going to do something amazing, we are allowed to ask how. How is that going to happen? Right. Um, and Gabriel immediately answers her question with the Holy Spirit will come over you. And that's not actually much of an answer when you get right down to it. Um, right. the, the wording in, in Scripture is so um, breathtaking. Um, so mysterious. There isn't a commentator out there that can actually tell you what happened with the Holy Spirit and Mary. It is, it's covered in a cloud of mystery because it's so holy. It's right. just, you know, it's, we're awed by it. Um, and that's the, that's the right approach. Um, but even that was enough answer for Mary. Oh, God is in this. The Holy Spirit is in this. I'm in. Um, and so, they believe with all their hearts. And then Anna, of course, waiting all that time, long years alone, um, a hard, hard life in many ways, but not to her. She was doing exactly what God wanted her to do. I think all three of them encapsulate Luke one thirty-seven, which says, God can do anything. And these women <laughs> believed it. They just believed it. God can do anything. I'm in. Uh, and well, that is, that's enough for me of a character to know who these women were that they, they wrapped their arms around that and walked in it. God can do anything. I'm moving forward. Um, right. And it, when I look over my own much less illustrious life, um, but I look at doors that, that God showed me and said, you're going to walk through that door. And literally everybody around me said, Liz, that, that's a closed door or that's, that's not right. the right door for you. Um, that that doesn't make sense. You're successful over here. Why would you leave radio and go into speaking? That's foolish. Radio has a salary and it has bennies and it has you know some some sense of security. And you're going to hang your your shingle out as a speaker with no guarantee of anything. And I said, but this is what God is calling me to do. And I believe God can do anything. Right. Same thing with writing. Then I moved into fiction, and everybody said, oh, no, you're a Bible study teacher. You can't write novels. But God said do, so I did. Right. Um, and I love living that adventure. I love traveling, as it were, to Bethlehem, not knowing whether a door will be open or not, but trusting in a God who opens doors. Right. Well, Liz, I'll, you know, and I know everyone who is listening to you is having the same reaction that, oh, I thought this was going to be a stuffy, religious, uh, you know, show. And uh, you are anything but stuffy, and I would describe you as, uh, you know, the the opposite of religious, although I know uh, your, your faith is very, very deeply ingrained. And, you know, I have always believed um, that, you know, the faith part of us uh, isn't a Sunday part of us. Yeah, it, you yeah know, it's not woven a separate through. thing over here, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's woven through every single day. And, you know, and, and everything that I have and everything that I am, you know, comes from that flawless God who does love flawed women, thank God. Yeah. And, I know. Uh, yeah, I know and, and so I tell you, this has been um, a real Christmas gift to me. 
um, you know, to hear your perspective. And, and as I mentioned, I, I didn't have time to read the book before the holidays, but we're leaving this afternoon on a little mini vacation with my Yay. daughter's boyfriend's family. So, uh, wow, it, it's an gonna adventure. Be, yeah, yeah. She's 16 and he's 17. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, you know, 30 years from now she's talking about uh, her high school sweetheart who's her husband. So oh, I love it. Um, anyway, I am uh, very, very blessed to have uh, had you on the show and, and uh, want to thank Patty uh, Brinkman, who is our producer, for really putting together an amazing Christmas season for us this year. And uh, I just wish you a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. And um, I, I don't even have to, uh, you know, give you the, that blessing of, you know, believing that, that uh, your life is going to be blessed because, boy, I can see it already has been. And just keep <laughs> walking in it, glory. girl. Yeah, only to his glory. You know, the whole bit at the end is not about, wow, I did it. It's really <laughs> about, wow, God did it with yep. such unpromising material. He is faithful. <laughs> well, the other thing I will just mention to our listeners is uh, just that, you know, these books are, are just structured so beautifully. And I, I just want to end the show by reading uh, the chapter names. And I think having heard pieces of the story, for those of you who maybe weren't as familiar with Elizabeth's story or Anna's story, uh, chapter one is let every heart prepare him room. Chapter two, let all mortal flesh keep silence. Uh, three, the virgin mother kind. Four, O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Five, with heart and soul and voice. Six, the wondrous gift is given. Seven, and our eyes shall at last see him. And eight, the joy of every longing heart. And if that doesn't want to make you go out and buy this book, I don't know what will. Uh, or at so least again, burst the, into song, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Those are well, all very familiar lines from very beautiful <laughs> Christmas carols, yeah. Exactly. So, again, the book that we have been talking about today is called The Women of Christmas, Experience the Season Afresh with Elizabeth, Mary, and Anna. And our guest has been Liz Curtis Higgs. Hey, I did it better that time, You did Liz. beautifully. <laughs> you got it. Uh, Liz, again, thank you so much for taking time out of uh, this very, very busy season, and I just uh, pray that you have a peaceful rest of the season, that you get everything done that you wanted to get done, and that you uh, get some refreshing in uh, before you dig into the next year. Absolutely. All of those are part of my plan, and Liz cannot do everything, but God can do anything, so I'm sticking with that. <laughs> hey, God that bless you. Have a, a great plan. Yeah. <laughs> Have a wonderful Christmas season. Thank you so much, Liz. Take care. And for those who would like to know more about you or who are interested in having you as a speaker, how can they get a hold of you? Oh, my website has all those goodies. It's just LizCurtisHiggs.com. Um, would love for you to follow my blog. It's a once-a-week deal, opening the Bible together and finding the joy in it. Um, my, any information about me speaking, also on the website. I hang out on Facebook as Liz Curtis Higgs. I tweet as Liz Curtis Higgs and a lot on both those. Love social media. It's such a great way to keep in touch. Well, so terrific. I look forward to hearing from you there. Oh, well, thank you so much, and I will definitely follow your blog. And uh, again, for anybody who would like to know more about the Executive Girlfriends Group, it is just executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. We have a public Facebook group where you can ask questions or learn more uh, about the Executive Girlfriends Group. And then we have a private group for our members. 
And uh, we have this call, uh, which you can join live if you would like and have access to our guests each week. We have some amazing authors. So thank you again for listening and have a very, very Merry Christmas. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald. Thank you.